Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, the other week we had an episode about money, and at the end of it we had a bunch of questions around currencies. Sometimes you see in the news lately, the US is accusing China or Japan or Korea of manipulating its currency. What does that mean? Oh yeah, a country can do a few things to manipulate the value of its own currency. For example, they can print more. Uh, they can also buy U.S. debt aggressively, creating a demand for U.S. dollars. So that sounds like it's making its currency less attractive. Why would a country want to do that? Oh, so a cheap currency, you know, let's say the RMB, costs less on the overall global market, making China a more competitive place for manufacturing. Japan and South Korea have also faced similar accusations in the past. Uh, for example, Japan is actually the largest foreign holder of U.S. debt, which means that compared to the size of their economy, they're even more aggressive at buying U.S. debt. I see. Now, a little while ago, there was a discussion about Sri Lanka, and there was talk of a big step it was making to float its currency. What does it mean to float a country's currency? Oh, in general, most currencies float. And what this means is that the market forces of supply and demand decide how many US dollars you get for your euro, you know, the, the rates. But most central banks also attempt to stabilize this float by buying the underlying currency when it gets low and selling it when it is high. This buffering effect can keep the currency in a pretty narrow trading range if the central bank has enough money and the market forces don't try to move it, you know, too much in one direction or another. Uh, so the extreme opposite example of a floating currency is what they call a fixed or pegged currency. Uh, I see. So let's ELI-5 what a fixed currency is then. How would they do that? Okay, so if the central bank of your country decides to follow a fixed system, then the exchange rate will stay constant or in a very, very, very narrow trading band. Quite a few countries do this to basically give businesses confidence that the exchange rate will remain stable and predictable. And the way they do it is using a kind of the same concept as manipulating the currency like we talked about, you know, at the beginning. Could you explain this with an example? Sure. So let's say your Sri Lankan rupee has a certain exchange rate of 300 rupees to an American dollar. And then lots of people want to sell the, the rupee at that point because they think the US dollar is a better currency, for example. Now, at some point, someone will say, OK, how about I give you 301 rupees for a dollar? Well, if the central bank has enough U.S. dollars, what they will do is they'll keep offering you a dollar for 300 rupees, so it never goes up to 301 rupees. Now, say also the tide changes that people want Sri Lankan rupees. Maybe the interest rate has raised, uh, so it's now attractive to hold rupees. People might say, I'll take, hey, 299 rupees for one U.S. dollar. But at, and at that point, the central bank will sell you rupees and buy dollars. So when Sri Lanka's central bank announced that they would float the currency, they were in pretty bad economic shape. Can you explain why it was seen as a move to stabilize the economy? Oh yeah, well, in that case, they had little choice. The context here was that Sri Lanka had been going through one of the worst economic crises in history. I mean, like locals, they had no power, no fuel, no diesel, no gas to even cook with, and inflation had reached an all-time high. So what happened was that the central bank just did not have enough money to keep the currency in the desired trading range anymore. At that time, they made an announcement that they're going to drop their support for the currency and let the market find its own level. Allowing it to float. Exactly. 
floating. And what happened was it settled at a much lower rate, meaning it cost less US dollars to buy the same amount of rupees. So everyone who had Sri Lankan rupees then saw the value of their accounts drop in terms of US dollars or euros. Yeah, but what you know happened was that it did get all the inflation out of the way. It, one big painful event. And it level set their economy, so any manufacturing would also become more competitive. I see. That was the benefit, just a shock to the system. Now, when people talk about exchange rates, they often mention Bretton Woods. What does that mean? Oh, yeah. So after um, World War II, the world economy was, understandably, a huge mess. The industrial facilities of much of Europe were destroyed, and the same was also true in Asia. And national governments had spent much of their gold reserves and so some governments were destroyed and also were being reestablished effectively from scratch. A lot of money, as you can imagine, needed to be allocated to the most useful applications. And so some sense of fairness was needed to keep the people in the war zones from feeling that someone else was benefiting from their most fortune. And before World War II, there was also the Great Depression as well. That's right. That's right. The Depression was identified as a key contributor to the rise of also extremist nationalist political parties, which in turn had led to the war. This, this sense of the international community was that an efficient allocation of capital and a new international economic system to avoid a repeat of the depression was required or else the world might slip back into you know, armed conflict. So that was the backdrop and then the world leaders decided to meet. Yeah, the world leaders decided to meet. You know, Financial and political leaders met in a place called Bretton Woods in New Hampshire, United States uh, to basically hammer out the, the details. And several decisions were made there that were rapidly translated into law and policy. For example, a bank for lending to governments was created to help finance reconstruction. And that became the World Bank. Also, a fund for giving aid to countries was uh, created. So that couldn't finance debt was created. And that became the International Monetary Fund, or the IMF. And how about the currencies? Oh yeah, back to currencies. To stabilize the exchange rates of, you know, the basket of currencies that matter to the Bretton Woods participants, what happened was a series of pegs were established between those currencies, uh, the US dollar and also the price of gold. And these arrangements were designed to basically make it hard for a country to beggar its neighbors, for example, by deflating the value of a national currency to maybe gain some kind of short-term economic advantage, uh, just like we talked about. I see. But it ended a few decades back. When did it end? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was monumental for uh, the whole world. On August 15, 1971, the United States terminated the convertibility of the US dollar to gold, effectively bringing the Bretton Woods system to an end. If you would like to know more about why it was abandoned, also check out our episode on inflation, ELI 5 inflation. Why do we need it and why the gold standard was abandoned? Great. Thanks for that, Kevin. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you've got comments and suggestions for us. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, please do take the time to leave us a rating on Apple. It only takes two minutes and it really helps other people to discover this podcast. As always, thanks to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.